Greetings and welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast 124. We're discussing the WGC St Jude Invitational, the Barracuda Championship on the PGA Tour, and the Hero Open on the European Tour. That's right, three tournaments this week to discuss, so it's going to be a busy show. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above, please be gamble aware. I'm Steve Bamford, PGA Tour Preview at Golf Betting System, and with me we have Golf Betting System's WGC and European Tour expert, Paul Williams, and podcast pundit Barry O'Hanrahan. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, gentlemen. Morning, guys. Visit Golf Betting System with betting previews containing tips, masses of tournament statistics, and our predictor models, all available completely free of charge, no paywall. Please subscribe to this podcast and drive the popularity of the show. We are available on social media. On Twitter, Barry is at a good talk golf. I'm at Bamford Golf, and Paul is at Golf Betting. You can join our Golf Betting System Facebook group. The link is available in the description box. Plus, look out for the Steve Bamford Golf YouTube channel where I present the Golf Betting Show every week. Up to, what was it? I just looked. 800 subscribers on the new Steve Bamford Golf channel. So uh, thank you to one and all. Um, I actually managed last week to get the podcast up on uh, YouTube as well. And that proved very, very popular. So we'll continue to do that if the uh, technicalities allow. Please take time to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. That is the podcast currency and drives our listener numbers continually upwards. As ever, for those of you who leave a review, I will read them out at the start of next week's show. So here's a couple of reviews. Uh, First one, title, top notch, five stars. Unreal podcast, best info available if you love your golf. Thank you, boys. That's from The Badger. The Badger is in Great Britain. So thank you for that, Badger. Uh, And then a second uh, review. Enjoyable. Four stars. Love the podcast and all the work you do. Only criticism. We've got criticism. In fact, I've got criticism. I would put forward is that it seems Steve talks over Paul and Barry at certain times. Would be nice to hear their explanations. Keep up the good work. That is from The Who 63, who's also in Great Britain. So I'd basically need to shut up. You've been told, Steve, haven't you? Yeah. It is Why difficult. No? Steve knows more, so, you know. Uh, I guess, <laughs> the challenge with the three of us is we're all doing it remotely, aren't we? So if sitting around a table, you can look at each other's eyes and um, and, and kind yeah. of coordinate it a little bit easier. But uh, You can cue it up, yeah. 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 And, but, no, fair comment, fair comment. And th- thanks for the reviews anyway, guys. It's always great to get uh, feedback, um, positive and negative, um, as to as to how we're doing and uh, what we should do moving it's all, forward. It's always the way, though, isn't it? We're all, you know, you've got, we've all got points to, to maybe get across, we want to talk about, and you're just eager to do it, and it's, it's yeah, it's about finding that kind of rhythm, and yeah, it happens sometimes. Look, we get the boy. Steve is a bit of a dick, you know. So, but <laughs> we're we're all well used to it at this stage. <laughs> There's it's your explicit a... tag for the week. <laughs> yes, Steve is a dick. <laughs> right, let's let's move on. We're not going to talk about last week. It was a complete and utter disaster. Let's. We've got a busy week this week. Three tournaments to get through. Clearly, star of the show is the World Golf Championship down in Memphis, Tennessee. So I will hand you straight over to Paul. I do have a predictor rundown here, Paul. So when you want to bring me in, I'll run through the predictor top 10. That you've yeah, go, we'll, we'll do, do that just before we uh, start talking about our respective no problem. fancies, shall we? Um, yeah, WGC FedEx St. Jude invitation. We should be through the majors by now, shouldn't we? Um, 
we should be talking about um, next year and uh, the, the playoffs and getting ready for um, what's going to happen in 2021. But we're not, are we? We're, we're, we're basically at the second WGC of the year and uh, ahead of the first major next year, which actually puts this um, event um, back in its old spot, doesn't it, effectively? Because yeah. we used to have the uh, WGC Bridgestone um, ahead of the USPGA, um, and then that was Glory's last shot, effectively, wasn't it? Whereas it's all, it's all back to front this year, as we as we know. It's interesting, though. As you'll be again talking briefly on the USPGA next week. Um, there always used to be this trend, didn't there, of players who really performed well at the, uh, the WGC the week before, as it was in Akron, Ohio, back in the day, um, and then they used to go on and um, win the following week at the USPGA. It was really quite defined. Uh, trend, which will be interesting yeah. to see if that uh, that picks up again this year, because clearly we've got a very strong field here, and the vast majority of them are going to be popping over to the uh, USPGA next week at uh, TPC Harding Park. So, um, but yeah, I, if you I, just just a quick one, and I'll move on. Um, if you want some insight and thoughts on the USPGA, then check out the site because Steve's written a. Um, a pre-event preview which goes through some of the historical trends and um, thought processes that will be used for um, well, for what will be his selections next week for the USPGA. So um, pop it onto the site. There's a link on the homepage to the preview on there, which is uh, some good insights in that piece that you pulled together, Steve. Um, there are some very distinct trends. It has to be said, when you've got a Bridgestone or a, um, a St. Jude Invitational the week before a PGA, the trends are very, very strong. That has to be said. Yeah, definitely, definitely. On to this week. Um, we've got a 78-man field, no cut this week. Most of the elite are here. There's no Tiger, there's no Justin Rose, no Adam Scott, uh, no Francesco Molinari or Shugo Imahira. But other than that, we're talking a top, top-level events with, uh, as I say, most of the uh, the world's top 50 here, a 78-man field in total. This is essentially the promotion of the St. Jude Classic to WGC level, which we saw for the first time last year. So there is stacks, or there are stacks of course history available. Um, so again, on the site, there's the event history stats and the combined stats that go through and how players have played both at the St. Jude Classic prior to last year. Then, of course, last year when we got the inaugural WGC St. Jude, uh, which would have been, of course, a slightly stronger field last year. Um, quick look at the market then. John Rahm heads the betting 11-1, to 1, the world number one as he is now. Bryson DeChambeau 12-1, to 1, Rory's at 12s, Justin Thomas at 12-1. to 1. So you've got that quartet, 11-1, 12-1, of them who can barely be parted um, at the top of the market. And in fact... Between bookies, you'll find a difference of opinion, and some of them have uh, JT as the favourite, some of them got John Rahm, and some of them are even on all four players. So clearly a, um, a lot of thoughts as to who should be the favourite this week, but no real um, decision as to a standout player, and if there is one, very slightly, it's John Rahm, but only marginally. Slightly below that, Patrick Cantlay, 20 to 1, Xander's 22s, Webb Simpson, 22s, uh, Patrick Berger, uh, Daniel Berger, Patrick Berger, 
Till uh, Hatton and Morikawa, 28-1. Who was Patrick Berger? Was he a footballer? Liverpool player. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Getting my sports completely mixed up. Um, Hovland's 30-1. to one. Then we're into the likes of Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, Hideki Matsuyama, 33-1 to one for those three players. DJ Kepka, um, previous winners at this particular track. Matsuyama, clearly a world-class player. 33 to one of those players. And there's going to be a lot of takers, I think, on that kind of level. And as to whether, and this is the, the dilemma we're going to have this week, as to whether these guys are um, focused fully on this week or, or next week as the main target will be the um, factor we need to try and work out and build into our thoughts and processes this week. 35 to 1 bar that list of players that I've gone through there and clearly not Patrick Berger unless he's changed his uh, changed his sport recently. Um, TPC Southwind we're playing this week's so a 7,244 yard par 70 um, a tough technical track uh, Zoysia Fairways Champion Bermuda Greens um, with Zoysia think uh, Eastlake think uh, Trinity Forest um, with the Champion Bermuda Quail Hollow Sedgefield uh, Trinity Forest again, uh, Country Club of Jackson. They're the kind of correlating uh, courses that you want to uh, take a look at if you're looking for specific correlation between those. Zoysia is an interesting fairway, Steve, and I know you, you pick up on it on a lot of your previews when, uh, when when you're talking that particular setup, and it promotes flyers the, even off the fairway from uh, from a lot of the very, a lot of the comments sp- that you read, isn't it? Very springy. Mm got a lot of uplift the ball sits up on the on the fairways and a lot of players either like it or don't yeah. so the the, to- the tournament i really switched on to it at was the pga championship of bell reeve that's kepka won his first one yeah because he already had form at golf courses like st jude like southwind where he clearly really liked the way that the ball just sat on the fairways and he just absolutely pounded it from tee to green yeah, it's an interesting point, isn't it? And uh, East East Lake's the other correlating course, isn't it? In that respect, yeah, for Zoysia yeah, Grass, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'll just read through those again quickly. Um, East Lake and Trinity Forest for Zoysia, and for Champion Bermuda, Quail Hollow, Sedgefield, Trinity Forest again, Country Club of Jackson. So well worth having a little look through some of the results from those particular tracks over the years. Um, what tends to be the, the order of the day with this particular tournament and this part, part of the world in Memphis is it tends to be hot and sticky. It tends to be up to around about 90 Fahrenheit. It was hot yesterday. I think it's going to be slightly cooler than it was yesterday. It was getting close to 100 degrees yesterday. Um, potentially um, thunderstorms throughout, actually, from the latest forecast I saw. So there may well be a bit of disruption. Thursday looks the windiest day up to around about 25 miles per hour gusts in the afternoon. But um, but after that, it should be a little bit calmer and should be um, some good scoring conditions. And interesting that they, uh, what we saw last year, and we were talking about this off air just before we came on, that um, the setup for the St. Jude Classic always used to be really quite um, firm and fast. They used to try and make it um, quite close to a kind of US Open tough, didn't they? Whereas last year, um, there was a lot more water put on the course, um, which made the winning score for Brooks Kepka um, a little bit uh, lower than it had been previously. I think he got to 16, 17 under something in that kind of bracket. 
Um, but uh, yeah, historically, I mean, this course can be one of those that really does have teeth. It's always interesting to see how they set it up from year to year and should never, never fully assume that things are going to be identical to the previous year. But um, but yeah, if, if we see what we saw last year, then expect it to be a, to play, play a little bit easier than it used to with the uh, St. Jude Classic, but uh, but still a, still a challenging track nevertheless. Uh, historically, let's go back through some uh, some winners here. Back to 2010, Lee Westwood won at 12 to 1. That was the year that Bobby Garrigus blew up, isn't it? 2010. Uh, that, that was the year that Bobby Garrigus had those beige pants on and you could just see those sweat marks <laughs> emanated right, yeah. from his bottom. Yes, it wasn't, wasn't, wasn't and the he, best And he look. banged it straight in the water when he had about a three-shot lead off the tee. He could have just yeah, hit yeah. like, like five-iron, five-iron straight into the heart of the green. Yeah. But went but went with the big dog and threw it all away. Yeah, the the pressure of the seventy second hole can sometimes tell. And you know, Lee Westman was there to pick up the pieces. Um, so mm. well done for Lee back then. Twelve to one he was. Harrison Fraser two hundred and seventy five to one the year after. Twenty twelve was Dustin Johnson at twenty to one. Twenty thirteen was Harris English at sixty six to one. Twenty fourteen Ben Crane at one seventy five to one. Fabian Gomez. 400 to 1 was the biggest outlier of the uh, the recent results in 2015. Uh, then we had Daniel Berger, 33 to 1, and then 28 to 1 the following year when he defended. DJ again, 7 to 1 in 2018. Then last year when it was in its uh, WGC guys for the first time, Brooks Kepka, 11 to 1, who won this tournament 12 months ago. There. There is a lot of big hitters in that list. I mean, mm. you, you mentioned Robert Garrigus at the top there. A lot of powerful hitters. And don't forget, Phil Mickelson's got a very good record round here as well. Yeah. So, you know, people that lash it off the tee do seem to do extremely well around this golf course. Yeah, you can, it's, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because when you dig through the stats, there are different ways you can interpret it. And what's evident is that 70% of greens hit here is pretty good. And a lot of players won't get even remotely close to 70%. So you need to have a good short game, but you also need to maximise those greens that you do hit. So um, you, know, you, you could argue either way. And someone like Lefty, who's going um, to hit less greens potentially, and is going to be more about his short game, can get around this track. But then players who equally are going to be at the upper echelons of the, uh, the, the greens and regulation stat for the week should also... And be in a strong position. You know, again, you can kind of cut that either way as to as to how you as to how you interpret this particular track. I mean, also if you look at the mix of players in terms of their incoming form and their their course form, there's a whole range of either strong incoming form, and you can yeah, it's represented by the by the odds, isn't it? You know, Kepka and DJ eleven to one, seven to one respectively for the last two last two winners on this particular track. Then you've got the likes of Gomez, who came from pretty much nowhere, Ben Crane. Um, both of them had really quite indifferent form heading into this. So I'm not sure you can pluck a current form horse and say that's a perfect fit for St Jude. Um, equally, you've got players who've got decent course form. As I said, Berger won back-to-back. DJ's won it twice. Um, and then you've got others who come as, as debutants here and won first time out. So um, the classic course form, uh, current form combination isn't necessarily going to work here, and particularly with the fact it's a short field and also an elite field. 
Uh, you boil it all down. For me, I think you've got to maximise Green's hit, um, but you've also got to be able to scramble well when you uh, when you do miss those dance floors. You've got to be able to putt on the Bermuda the putting surfaces, champion Bermuda, which um, again you can read through the correlation, or you can you can work through the correlation with previous tracks and see players who've handled that particular putting surface well in the past, and also the Zoysia. Um, aspect that we talked about um, at the top of this particular segment various elements to pull out of this week ultimately though you've got an elite field and yeah, again you, you could make a case for any of the guys at the very top I think um, just trying to pluck out a little bit of value further down um, is kind of where I've gone before we go into what the players that I've opted for this week and I've picked four together um, Steve, I think you were just going to rattle through the predictor model for this week. They're all priced up with William Hill. They've all gone. They've gone seven places each way of fifty odds this week, and they are outstanding on price. We're recording this Tuesday morning in the UK. If you haven't got a William Hill Sportsbook account, golf betting system, i.e., our website, have access to a boosted bet ten get £40 or €40 Euro in the Republic of Ireland of free bets. You need to sign up via Golf Betting System, via one of our advertised links. You then need to uh, open the account with a mobile phone and you have to quote the promo code W40. You will then receive a, uh, £40, €40 Euros of free bets once you have placed a qualifying £10 or €10 Euro first qualifying bet. Right, Patrick Reed's at 10, 35 to 1. They're all seven place each way of 50 odds of William Hill. Nine is Patrick Cantley at 20 to 1. Eight is Tyrrell Hatton at 28 to 1. Seven, Daniel Berger, Paul mentioned, two-time winner here, 28 to 1. Six, Bryson DeChambeau, 12 to 1. Uh, five, Justin Thomas at 12s. Xander at 4, 22 to 1. Then the top three, Rory McIlroy at 12 to 1. Webb Simpson at 22 to 1. And the new world number one, John Rahm, 11 to 1. That's the predictor model that Paul published yesterday. Yeah, I guess it's difficult to, to argue with some of those names at the very top because they've clearly been playing some of the, some of the very best golf. I think you know, having the world current world number one at the top probably reflects where his game is and has been of late. But um, I've gone slightly against that for the four players I've picked. Um, I'll tell you the way we'll do this. I've got two who are relatively short and then a couple of long shots. So if I, I'll go through my shorter guys and then we'll get a view from you two and then we'll see where our long shot bombs are for the week between us, shall we? Um, at the top of the market or near the top of the market, I've opened my team with Xander Chauvet this week. And for me, um, he's going to be hungry for a win. And Again, you've got to try and work through the motivations of each of the players this week, and some of them will clearly be focused more on winning next week. Xander, he's had three runner-up finishes since finishing uh, second at Augusta last year, and I think he'll be keen to convert one of those chances that he's had into a win sooner rather than later. With him, and he's been quite vocal about this in the past, he absolutely prefers a tougher test. Any kind of challenging golf course um, that tests his game when he's up against a, a stronger field is exactly where he's where he's at. I don't think simple birdie fest get his juices flowing, so this should be um, should be right in his wheelhouse. Um, he's you know again if you look at it, 
difficult tests. Eastlake's a great example. We talked about the Zoysia link earlier on. Eastlake form of what a win seventh and second from his three starts there is, is particularly strong. Back after the restart, third at the Charles Schwab, where he's third for total driving, first for ball striking. What really caught my eye was his 13th place finish at Memorial. Again, another challenging test on his last start. First for accuracy, first for green, uh, greens and regulation, first for ball striking on the week. The long game, Xander, is absolutely on point right now. And, you know, we talked about different ways of getting around this track. I think someone like him, who can maximise greens this week, could be um, the exact method that you're going to get the uh, get the job done. Former WGC winner, he won the um, HSBC Champions a couple of years back, didn't he? And for me, I think he's a potential winner who will readily go forward and try to take this title should he get the opportunity to do so on Sunday. So Xander's in uh, the top of my team, 22 to 1. Uh, the other guy who's relatively short, not quite as short as that, is Patrick Reed, 35 to 1. We picked Reed up on the WGC Mexico before lockdown. And I think, again, he's one of these players who is, is pretty, relatively unpopular um, for various reasons, which we, we won't go through in detail here. Um, but he's, he's just not one of those um, kind of trendy players who tends to absolutely hammer in the market is always for me is that's a relatively backable price so 35 to 1 I'm quite happy to say that um, again we talk about the week before the major I don't think um, Patrick Reed will be looking at this and thinking well I'm, I'm focused next week and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll take, take the foot off the, the accelerator this week I think it'll be um, four beans for this week Go back to 2014, I think it was, when he quoted about being a top five player in the world. That was just before he won the WGC at Doral. Um, this week, he can finally get there. He With a win this week, he will get himself into the world's top five for the first time in his career. And he will, um, I guess the doubters that have um, kind of laughed at that particular statement that he made back then, um, he'll put that completely to bed with a victory here this week and I'm sure for his own mental and uh, you know for his own sanity that uh, actually achieving that at some point in his career has got to be a massive target um, and he's he's got his closest sixth I think he currently six, eight, six, sits at eighth but he's uh, very very close he also leads the race to Dubai and of course that's a smaller prize overall in the, in the bigger scheme of things but with the way the schedule's been messed about um, he can take a real march on those by performing well at WGCs and the majors. Clearly with his Mexico win already under his belt, he's amassed a decent number of points in terms of that particular race. Another big performance here and he can, he can get himself a very strong lead in that respect. Uh, he won the last WGC in Mexico, as we talked about, 10th at Memorial last time out with his strong uh, form heading into this. Fifth year at St. Jude in 2013. 12th here last year and I think he's playing some nice stuff Patrick Reed, and a little bit overlooked at 35 to 1. Uh, I've got a couple of more uh, three figures but I'll let you guys give me a view of who you fancy near the top. I'll go first because I know Barry isn't really a top of the uh, top of the betting odds kind of punter. Um, one thing that just came to my mind is what did the previous form of people that had won this WGC in its Bridgestone guys uh, look like? 
Um, because Bridgeton traditionally, apart from the Adige one, which was the Olympic year, was always the week before. So McElroy, he'd won the uh, Open Championship, then did what Rory always does and wins twice on the trot. Shane Lowry came off form of 29-31, miscut, miscut being the, the uh, outing before. DJ in 2016 was third, fifth, and he'd won the US Open. So we've got two there that had won their previous outing before winning this. Hideki Matsuama, second, 14-14. That looks very Xander-like form, Paul. Yep. Uh, that really does look yeah, very Xander-like. Yeah. And Justin Thomas, when in 2018, was 56-8th uh, missed cut. So there's a couple of missed cuts in there. Mm. Um, but you so it's kind of almost a little feast and famine to a certain extent. Then you know you've got some players that haven't got form or haven't got immediate form, and then you've got two winners. So the first one that jumped to my mind at the very top of the lead, uh, market was John Rahm. I could see Rahm uh, just going win-win. I really could. And you look at Rahm in the past. I think last year he won in Spain. Then he went and won the um, DP World Tour Championship, the end of the European Tour. So two wins on the trot. I think Ram, world number one. If he if he hits the ball as well off the tee and on approaches as he did two weeks ago at Memorial, there's no way Ram won't be a feature here. The other thing with Ram, he's got excellent results on Zan um, on Zoyger as well. He's done well at the uh, he's done well at East Lake. He's also I think he was fourth at the PGA Championship they played at Bell Reeve with the, with the year that uh, Brooks won there in 2018. So Ram at the top. I'm also going to do a Ram Jim Furyk double. Because Jim Furyk makes his, um, what's the what's the is it Champions, Champions Tour? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Jim uh, John uh, Jim Furyk is available at five to one to to win a Champions Tour event. So I just thought I'd throw in a double there, Ram at the WGC and uh, Jim Furyk making his uh, debut on the Champions Tour at five to one. He should pick up a fair few trophies on that tour over the next few years, Jim Motioning. Well, him and Steve Stricker, and of course with Bernard Langer, there's three there that they're going to have some massive um, clashes there, aren't they, over the yeah, over coming years? So that's the one at the top of the market for me, John Aram. What about you, Barry? Any interest? Uh, I'm also on Patrick Reed. Uh, yeah, for all the reasons Paul said, I won't go any further. We've got a lot to cover. Um, I was just looking at Xander. I was just wondering uh, if he got into the. I know he has a. He finishes high a lot of the time. But I was wondering if he got into the places enough to substantiate backing him at twenty twenty two to one, which he seems to be always at. He, his price mm-hmm. never seems to move. Yeah. So, PJ Tour career uh, results. He's played ninety one events. He has won four. So I mean, straight away you're. Just about even with him if you're backing him every week, uh, but he has popped in with uh, some sec, you know, six second places and four third places. So I think he probably just about levels out, or maybe you're slightly ahead if you've just backed him every week. So I guess the bookies have him spot on, uh, yeah. which which doesn't excite me very much because I like to see uh, <laughs> juicy value. Yeah, yeah, an arbitrage like so. Just just want to see it happen. But look, uh, he's. Yeah, he's always a threat, isn't he? He seems to always be a threat there. Yeah. Um, I tell you, the thing with, with Xander is I think he's one of these players that if the chance has gone, 
and then he can throttle down and just drift down a leaderboard. Mm. And there's a, an each way punt that can be frustrating if um, you know you're sitting there thinking, well, okay, he's not going to win this tournament, but he's nailed on for a top five or top seven or whatever you've uh, backed him at, and then. If he completely throttles down, then misses the the place payout play payouts as well. Then that can be frustrating. But I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, again, with all these things, you can swing this um, or paint it however you like. Really, I think personally that it'll, it'll give this a good go. But um, yeah, point taken, Barry. Yeah, I don't even know if I made a point to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> it's just an observation, yeah. I yeah, guess. Observation taken. Yeah, trying we to get inside a, the mindset of Paul. We said a couple of weeks ago, you don't bat Patrick Reed at the fourteen to one at the uh, at the um, what was it, the Detroit uh, Workday Open or something. I can't mm. even remember the name of it. But at thirty-five to one, he's now getting into that territory where he wins tournaments. Thirty-five, forty to one. That's where Patrick Reed just turns up and wins. So yeah, I, I'm going to back mm. Reed as well. So I'm going to go Ram and Reed at the top. Yeah. Um, who else? I mean, I, I've I've stuck with Jason Day. Um, what do you think? He's been playing well. The last he couple has. of events, and he's been playing very from well. From what Paul said, this. I mean, I checked. Yeah, seventy-two percent was kind of the best GIR last year around here. Mm. So you're going to need short game. And it does kind of shout Jason Day, Jordan Spieth type territory. If they can hit 66, you know, two two out of three greens and scramble their heads off like they do and putt well, you can see Day and Spieth being in the mix, undoubtedly. Yeah. Some, I don't know. It's It's been a while. It's been a long time since he's won. So I think he's going to just be motivated to win full stop rather than oh, being yeah, specifically yeah, yeah. focused on, no. I've got to get my stuff together next week. I think the guy, he's just in that a win is a win. I'm not saying he's yeah. desperate, but Couldn't he's not going to. Yeah, I don't think his eye will be on the ball uh, beyond this week, you know, so one week at a time. So, yeah, um, I've grabbed him. Like a couple of others that, you know, are, are interesting um, because of the, the Zoja Grass and Eastlake uh, link. I mean, when, when do you ever see Henrik Stenson at 80 to 1? I'm not saying, I'm not saying, you know, he's going to go do it. It's his first event back after an entire summer off, but... Uh, it's just it was an interesting anomaly in the market, and um, yeah, by the yeah, I'm sure everyone can tell that I've put a couple of euro on it just just in case. <laughs> so, uh, and look, the other one that um, you know we've had an eye on, he's been he's been doing a lot of good stuff recently. I'm kind of moving into the mid odds here is Danny Willett. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. if he can handle the heat of the the heat out there, yeah, I, I think it's going to be. Without without being completely sapping this week, I think it would be manageable for for, for the players. He yeah, let every punter down yeah, two weeks ago at the memorial, didn't he? And oh we do, and we said we've said it all on this podcast. You've got to say we are consistent. We always say with Danny Willett struggles to string uh, results together, and he was right in the mix at memorial. I think he could have won that, and then just fell. Mm. I don't think his part, like you said, Barry, last week. The when he got T, I I was the same on Sunday. First thing I do on a Sunday, look at my phone. Who's my who's my player in the mix teed up with? And I saw Harris English with Denny McCarthy, and my head it just sunk my heart. 
And sure enough, Denny McCarthy after nine holes on Sunday was three over par. Yeah. And that Harris English hasn't got the mental fortitude to get anywhere around that. Mm. But you had you had Fee now and you had Willett in the same group at the memorial. I could see Danny Willett, he be, he wins big tournaments, he's playing some great golf. I could see Willett just popping up and being right at the top of the leaderboard this week at this huge WGC. The other thing with Willett, get this, 136th in the FedEx Cup. So as it stands, he doesn't even make the playoffs. So he needs to keep playing well. So I think Willett this week and Willett next week at the PGA are definitely live, for 100%. Yeah, and you always get a decent price on Danny. And we've seen him step up to the plate on some of the bigger events, particularly the bigger events on the European Tour, but uh, Masters what? champion, what, can, what else can you say? On the earth course, Paul, mm. what, is that, what, what Bermuda grass is that, earth course? Uh, Tiff Eagle from memory. It's Tiff Eagle. It's not yeah. okay. We're not 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 champion. No, I don't think so. No, no, no. Okay. Um, there's, there's subtle differences, but uh, I, I, you know, again, it's not. It's worth looking at the um, Bermuda form from a lot of these players. Some of the Bermuda tracks they play over in the um, the winter over in Dubai will be overseeded with um, an element of bent anyway. So um, yeah. you take it with a pinch of salt, but uh, certainly there's a Bermuda base on there. Um, I'll quickly rattle through the other two that I've picked, both 125 to 1. Uh, firstly, Matt Wallace, who for me is the type of player who reacts on these uh, tougher assignments. And for me, again, he's increasingly finding his feet at elite level. Fourth at Memorial last time out, which was, you know, again, not dissimilar company to what we see this week. Third at the USBGA last year. 27th here last year um, on his debut on this particular track. And that was immediately after the Open Championship, the week after. Eighth for putting that week, so clearly got on with the greens quite nicely. From, again, for me, he's improving. He's working with Robert Rock now. His um, swing's coming round. His game is coming into some kind of form. So 125 to 1 on Matt is available. And the other one is Ches Reevy, another who's improving at elite level. Um, he could place here. Um, he's, you know... Looking at his histories, again, there's another player who's getting more and more confident at elite level. 12th and 14th in um, in majors before his third place finish in the US Open last year. It went on to win the Travellers the week after, so it was clearly in some decent nick. Bit off the boil until recently, and then he found his long game again in the last couple of events at Muirfield Village. He has some decent form here as well. Two top sixes in his previous three attempts at TPC Southwind, when it was back as its St Jude um, guys, 27th again last year, immediately after the Open Championship. So um, there's a lot to like on both of those players, I think, for 125 to one shots. And either of those could sneak into the paying places given the short field, I think. Um, Any bombs from you boys? I've Kisner on the Woodland plan. Um, I'm on Kisner this week as well. I've joined in the auto bet on Kisner. Yeah, it's growing. It's growing. It's growing. It's growing. Yeah. Yeah. What price are you getting on Kisner? One twenty-five. Seven places. I'm going to take Willett at one hundreds. I'm taking Kisner at one twenty-fives, and I'm taking Matt Wallace at one twenty-fives. Very good. Very good. But well, we've covered about a third of the field there, guys, so we should be all right. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> a 
Cool. Right, well, that's, that's about me done for the, uh, the FedEx yeah. and Jude. Um, what have we got? Barracuda, Steve. Barracuda, one of these alternate events where the uh, the journeyman of the PGA Tour and some up-and-comers um, fight it out. Now, a lot of a lot of the... They always make me laugh, these tournaments. You know, we had Brand, Brendan Todd at the Bermuda. He won at... I, I can't remember the price. Was it 100 to 1? 120 yeah, to 1? Yeah, I think he won at 110 and 100, something like that, the week after, didn't he? he was, um... That's right. And then the last one of these, uh, you get the craziness of Victor Hovland winning at 10 to 1. And that's kind of what you get with these. It's kind of feast or famine. Um, the last two winners of this were Colin Morikawa, who I was laughing about last year, saying what a ridiculous price <laughs> 10, 11 to 1 was. It was a disgrace, and he, he won. And before that was Andrew Putnam. And Andrew Putnam was a 28 to 1 shot. Uh, we've had success here with Gary Woodland at 40 to 1 and our old friend JJ Henry at 66s. Uh, the fact of the matter is, though, Barracuda, I'll be, I'll be quick. It's a new golf course. They've moved from Montreux Golf and Country Club to another Jack Nicholas design. Um, it's now in uh, Truckee, California. It's actually, it looks a beautiful spot. It's uh, 5,883 feet above sea level. It's in... The uh, the mountains just over the border in California, so it's uh, basically the Sierra Nevada mountains. So we're in desert country, effectively high altitude. Now this golf course, it's the old Greenwood Golf Course at the Tahoe Mountain Golf Club. It plays to its tips. This is interesting for a start. It plays to its tips at seven thousand five hundred eighteen yards as a par seventy two. The, per, the PGA Tour have um, arrived and they said, no, we're not going to play that. We like birdies. We like eagles. We're going to play a par 71. We're going to play it at 7,390 yards. They've effectively knocked out the longest par 5 on the course, the 10th, and they've turned it into a 485-yard par 4, where before it was over 600-yard par 5. And they've also shortened the opening hole, which is a par 4. They've knocked about 25 yards off that. There's a lot of different tees here. So the PJ Tour have already said, right, we're going to shorten the course. Um, and don't forget, at this altitude, 7,390 yards is probably going to clo play closer to 6,600 or 6,700 yards. Which says to me a couple of things. Pretty much the, two, uh, the three par fives on the golf course are all going to be reachable to pretty much everyone. And I can guarantee you... Some of the days they'll go off even shorter tees than on the scorecard. And the other thing it says to me is that but you know, birdies and eagles, of course, will be the currency because this is going to be played this week under the modified Stableford system, which is five points for an eagle. I think you get two points. For, tell me if I'm wrong, Paul. Two points for a birdie. Yeah, yeah. You get zero points for a par, and then you get negative points for bogeys and doubles. Yeah, yeah, you got it. Um, had various uh, chats with various people. I did get some feedback, and I was very, very um, appreciative to, of this overnight from the actual course um, director, the, the actual course superintendent, who came back to me and confirmed some details about the golf course. So this is useful for listeners. We are looking at fairways that are 35 to 40 yards wide. That is wide. We're also looking at greens. 
that are 80% bent grass and 20% poana. And he's looking or been instructed to get the target stimp to 11 on the stimp meter. So, receptive. We're going to shoot him at 55 points. <laughs> now, that, yeah, a very valid point. So, uh, I think at Montreux, it pretty much worked out every year, 45, 46, 47 points. Yeah, that's the target. Yeah, I think I think we're going to be kind of 50 points kind of target. Which is about, but what, one... 24, 26, 27 under par, something around that? Yeah, it depends on the Eagles, doesn't it? But, yeah, it's, yeah. it's certainly getting into that kind of 20 bracket, I think. Yeah. Um, I think you're going to be needing to convert, what, 20, 22 of the 72 holes in an eagle or a birdie? Mm. I mean, if you could shoot 21 birdies in an eagle, you're going to be there or thereabouts. Now, the thing that became... I, I, I always labelled Montreux as a, as a bomber's course, but actually the more you looked at it, it wasn't a bomber's course. It was really a ball striker's course, and it didn't matter if you were long or short. If you were top... You know, in the ball straight and true, and hitting tons of greens, you were going to get close to the close to the action around Montreux. And I reckon, and I've sent some images to you guys off mic. Um, I reckon this golf course is going to be very, very interesting. And I'll tell you why. Yes, the fairways are wide, you know, thirty-five to forty yards. Compare that with TPC Twin Cities last week. We were looking at thirty-one yard wide fairways now a lot of the fairways last week at tpc twin cities had water either side of them or one mm-hmm. side of them and how many how many water balls did we see off the tee last week I mean, yeah. hundreds now this week I'm, I'm loving and i know you are barry i'm loving the look at this golf course because what we've got this week is you've got effectively no rough and it's been described to me by a couple of people, one guy that's played this golf course and also the course superintendent, they've effectively got a one and a half inch collar from fairway grass that then is a short collar and then you are instantly into brush. And when I say brush, I'm, ta- I'm talking knee-high, hip-high brush and scrub. And also trees. So you're going to have... If you're if you're afraid... If, you know, if you are literally going bomb and gouge here and you're hitting it as far as you can with driver and you you are off the mark with your driver you are in brush you are you know you're within trees you, there's going to be lost balls because this brush is thick there's rocks in there there's everything in there because supposedly a lot a lot of the guys that play this golf course regularly do lose a hell of a lot of golf balls and you can see why it reminded me, Paul, of Redbourne Golf Course, where we play. <laughs> <laughs> There's certainly lost uh, a few balls around there. Yeah, we, we've lost plenty around there, haven't we? So, to me, and this also came across in the analysis that I did previously for Montreux, I'm looking for guys, this is always a great one, isn't it? Straight off the tee, longer the better. Long and straight, that works everywhere. I'm also looking at players that have got excellent approach play, and actually, natural putters? Nah, not so much. I mean, Colin Morikara isn't exactly a natural putter, is he? Uh, Putnam was putting really poorly when he won this a couple of years ago. What he was doing, though, was hitting tons and tons of greens in regulation and tons of fairways. And that's exactly where I'm heading with this. Birdies, of course. Um, yeah, the more birdies we can get, the better. Eagle rate? Yep, yeah, that will help. But um, Putnam wasn't particularly high on Eagles when he won won this a couple of years ago, nor was Chris Strood, who racked up 44 points at Montreux. So I'll quickly run through my four who I'm tipping up. Clearly, my full preview is available at Golf Betting System. 
Um, Boyle Sports have gone seven places each way this week, which is very, very useful because there's only 132-man field. Um, at the top end, I've gone for two. Uh, I've gone for Brendan Steele, who is a Californian. For me, Brendan Steele, if you look at the field this week, is the best player in the field. He reminds me very, very much of Andrew Putnam. He um, Putnam had uh, gone head-to-head with Dustin Johnson at Southwind. Um, he'd also had, an, I think it was three other top tens the year he won here. Now, you look at Steele, he's, he's, he's performing exactly the same way. Um, he's had um, a playoff loss at the Sony Open, fourth at the Honda Classic, sixth at the Travellers, and last time out, a career-best 13th in that absolute... Um, technical golf course that we saw at Memorial a fortnight ago where he was actually third for total driving and that's the thing with Steele he's a fantastic driver of the golf ball so um, total driving strokes gained off the tee all good with Brendan Steele the other thing with Steele is um, he's an absolute California golf course expert he's uh, he's had second place at PGA West uh, seventh at Cordyval if you uh, also look at his form in Arizona at TPC Scottsdale, fifth, sixth, sixth, third. He loves desert golf. He loves playing in his home state of California. He loves, absolutely thrives on bent grass greens mixed with Poana. I looked at his record, you know, last five years, he had no pure bent grass top, pure bent grass top tens. So when I found out this morning before I wrote the tip, from the course superintendent that there was definitely Poana mixed in there. Mm. That just made my that made my five AM wake up call even better. He it's absolutely thrives on bent grass power. Yeah. 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 I can't I just can't go away from um Steel. And do you know the thing with Steel, and I've said this in the past with a lot of these events, it's about motivation. Steel will be going to the Barracuda. He targets this tournament. It's one that he wants to win desperately. So a motivated Brendan Steele, I'm all over it. The other player at the top of the market, again, two points each way, 22 to 1, this time with uh, six places each way with Betfred, is Ryan Moore. You look at Ryan Moore, short golf courses, tree-line golf courses, that's where he gets the job done. I'm talking uh, Kuala Lumpur, he's won twice there at the CIMB Classic. He's won the Wyndham Championship at Sedgefield. He also won the John Deere Classic, where he shot 22 under. Um, back in 2016, I think it was. He shoots birdies for fun when he's on form. Uh, a golf course that's going to play effectively 6,700 yards is right in his wheelhouse. It's going to be a wedge fest. He won't be hitting the ball anywhere near this kind of fescue, hopefully. And this, he'll be, you know, he's just fairways and greens kind of guy. And bent grass greens. We know that he's a far better bent, part, bent grass player than he is a Bermuda grass player on the green. So, Moore, another one. Um, it was interesting to see him right in the mix last week, and his putter was neutral last week. He's slightly, slightly, it was neutral where he's been putting really poorly this year. As soon as he got on pure bent grass greens, straight away, putter at neutral, which means for a player of Moore's capability, fairway green, fairway green wedge play, if he's making some of those seven, eight-footers that he tends to miss on other surfaces, that's clearly what tips him over the edge to, to make him a contending force. So for me, Moore and Steele at the top. I've then gone for another guy that's so um, T to green motivated is untrue. I've gone for Kyle Stanley. I love Stanley this week. A point each way at 50 to 1. Again, we bet Fred six places each way. Another player that plays brilliantly out west, California. Um, and, you know, just 
metronomic from tee to green. He's also been playing really nicely recently. Pair of five under 65s at TPC River Highlands at the Travellers. And then last week, do you remember he was um, leading the AM starters? Because you sent a Skype message saying, all of a sudden, Kyle Stanley's found the putter. Yeah, he's fine, yeah, yeah, things are warming with Stanley. He's he's starting to putt a lot. Um, I put in the in the preview, his putter is defrosting slightly. <laughs> and I, I genuinely think players that can putt at 1.7 this week and can hit the ball close um, and aren't knee-deep in... Um, <laughs> Knee, knee deep in the rough, have got a real chance this week. I think Stanley's a decent shout at 50 to 1. Um, and finally, I know the um, a couple of weeks ago, I came up with a really good comp course on the Corn Ferry. I've done exactly the same this year. Listen to this, you're going to like this. Um, I'm going to, this is the Boise Open. And I did check before this show, and we have had one download from Boise, um, from Idaho, the state of Idaho, in the last month. So I'm I'm trying not to to upset that individual. It's the Boise Open. It's the Hillcrest County Club or Country Club, and they play in Idaho. Listen to this: Matt Bettencourt, Scott Piercy, Greg Chalmers, and Andrew Putnam have all had top five finishes at the Boise Open over time. And last year, Colin Morikara had never played the Boise Open clearly, but. Troy Merritt was second. In fact, Merritt led virtually all of the tournament until Morikara overtook him in, on the back nine. Yeah. Merritt has had a ninth and an eleventh at the Boise Open. So the carryover between the Boise Open and here is really, really strong. If you just look at a map of America, um, Idaho, top left, it's not a million miles, miles away from where we're playing this week. And the agronomy is exactly the same. The grasses are exactly the same. Um, so, if you actually just look at who I've picked, Steele's got a top 10 at the Boise Open. Kyle Stanley's got a top 10 at the Boise Open. And my last selection's got a couple of top 10s at the Boise Open. That is Austin Cook. I'm going a point each way, 80 to 1, seven places each way with Paddy Power on Austin Cook, who is a tremendous putter. Um, he's very, very straight and true off the tee. But it's his approach game, it's his irons that tend to be the problem, especially recently. But actually, at the 3M Open, he had his best iron play for over a year, both in terms of greens in regulation and strokes gained. He's an Arkansas lad, so I can see him getting on well with the bent, the bent power. Um, I just saw Austin Cook is the one I'm having at 80-1. to 1. So Cook at 80s, Stanley at 50s, and then a combination of Ryan Moore and Brendan Steele at 22-1. to 1. What about you guys? Very good. You go, Barry. Um, I've been looking at just going Shameless through. power. Well, naturally, but I actually have a legitimate backup for it this week, as opposed to just uh, partisan um, blind punting on an Powell's fellow a Irishman. Shout. Power's a decent shout. Here's one. This is the kind of week where you just want to be uh, banging in the birdies, and on the full PGA Tour stats, birdie or better percentage. Seamus Power is in there at T10. Yep. T10 of all yep. of the players. And he, by, if I'm reading this correctly, is the highest ranked player in the field, the Barracuda field, for that stat this week. So Listen, listen to this, Barry. Boise oh. Open, top 12. Oh. Seamus Power. Can You're you give, in, boy. Can you give us a loan of 100 quid there, Steve? To do it. <laughs> um, You're to, in. To, You're to in. Smash it. Look. It's it's a far cry from the six hundred to one there of a few weeks back, but he is available in a much weaker field, 
at one twenty-five to one seven places. So yeah, or there's plenty of one fifties out there as well. Yeah, I know. I, it's just I like the extra places. No, so. so so would I on Seamus Power. I'd, I'd rather. I mean, the, the, look, the the stake I'm putting is not that big. So instead of going like you know whatever one point each way, it's like one point one or one point two points each way, just to kind of cover that uh, missing uh, twenty five points in the odds, you know. So uh, and get gives me the extra places. I don't mind investing the extra euro each way, sort of thing to 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 get to get me up to it. Um, Christopher Ventura is showing up a lot across your uh, recent strokes gained rolling rankings. Um, yeah. So, look, it doesn't match up amazing uh, for that kind of birdie attacking stats. He's decent at it. Um, I'm kind of just hoping that the overall game will kind of all come together uh, this week in a slightly weaker field and, you know, maybe kind of still riding that feel-good factor of, uh, or just kind of getting the slipstream of Hovland, you know, fellow Norwegian. Um, so it's the, it's the kind of event where the young guns can kind of come through. They don't have yep. that mega pressure against the big boys. So, yeah, Christopher Ventura is my other one. And that is, uh, that's the, I'm putting a cap on it for now, for that event. For this my own... I undersold my Boise Open link because John Rollins also won this and he finished third at the 2001 Boise Open. So there's five winners at the Boise Open. That We'll see. I'm seeing players here like Adam Schenk. I was interested in Schenk, by the way, but I just couldn't take his price at 60 to 1. If he'd have been triple numbers, Adam Schenk, he's finished second in Boise. Uh, Chesson Hadley's another one that's won at the Boise Open, although he just seems absolutely all over the place at the moment, Boise. Um, Chesson Hadley. But but Bronson Bagoon's finishing the top five there. There's there's just loads of names that you keep popping up at this Barracuda that are all over this Boise link. Mm. So the Boise is one of the ones towards the kind of business end of the web.com, the, the call for no, you're asking. I've got, I've got, I've got a feeling it's one of the, um, like the, the playoff series. Yeah, I think they play it in the playoff series. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So I can, I can the... kind. I remember Matthew Southgate playing there one yeah, year yeah, and finishing right, in yeah. the top five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just missed out on his card, didn't he? That's right. Yeah, he just missed out. He's unlucky. Didn't a leaf blow on his ball or something like that? Something, something like that. Something strange happened, didn't it? Um, are you going for? Are you going for Pat Perez, Paul? <laughs> no, I'm not. Um, I've, I've backed one, and I've got another one who I will back when um, there are enough prices up for him. The first, the one I have backed is Robbie Shelton, who caught my eye last week at the three M, finished third overall. He'd missed um, four or five cuts on the trot before that, but his long game looked um, much, much better last week. And mm. the three M down to this, I think, is a step down in terms of quality. Oh, he won twice. Yeah, 91, yeah. Uh, won twice on the Corn Ferry last year. He's got some reasonable form on the main PGA Tour as well. Seventh at the Green Bar last year, sixth at the Mike Over, eleventh at the Honda, and then third last week, as I said, at the 3M Open. He closed with the 64, which I like, a nice bit of momentum coming in. And 22 birdies and one eagle. Um, in terms of a prophecy, Steve, that's exactly what you said a few seconds ago about a potential winning total. So um, he got exactly that last week at the 3M. So, so yeah, Shelton, uh, 90 to 1 I've taken. The other one I haven't taken yet, but I will do, as the prices are still coming live for him, is Tyler Wawroski, 
who qualified yesterday, Monday qualifying, with a 10 under total, 10 birdies, 8 pars, no bogeys. Give um, us an in-depth breakdown of Tyler Wawrowski. Go on. He hasn't played many PGA Tour <laughs> festival, <laughs> professional events um, in his career, so therefore he hasn't got a great deal to talk about. He has made a, a couple of cuts at various levels, but he's um, clearly you're not going to find a great deal of, great deal of form about said player. However, what interested me is clearly he's coming with some momentum from yesterday and some early quotes of 400 to 1 for this week looked quite tasty. So there are only a handful of bookies up with a price for him when we went or started recording, but I'll check again when we've finished and see what the best price is on Tyler Wawrowski. But yes, I'll Still take a 400. chance. Still 400. Cool. Yeah. Well, that's, um, yeah, he's... Uh, Clearly going to be coming in with some some confidence, having shot that kind of round yesterday to, to make it into the field. And in, a, in an event where you've got to be shooting birdies... I'll, tell you nice a pl- I'll, I'll throw this one at you two and the listeners before I disappear. Um, a player that played well in the... Um, a guy that was winning tournaments during the COVID break. Um, we always know that he plays well in the desert. Alex Checker, mm. 200-1. to one. I might, I might, I might spend fifty p each way on Alex Checker, or have a little bet on the exchange. I did get some feedback actually. Someone said to me on um, YouTube this morning, "Can you please read out what the exchange prices are of your tips? Because you get much better value." So Ryan Moore is twenty-seven on the exchange. Steele is twenty-seven. Stanley is sixty-five, and Austin Cook is one hundred to one on Betfair Exchange right now. It might be something that we look at introducing on the podcast ongoing. Yeah, yeah I just thought, Alex Checker, bit of a desert rat, isn't he? 200 to 1? Mm. Might be worth yeah, it. Yeah, he can make a few birdies, can't he? Um, yeah, got it. Uh, Matt Every, first round leader. <laughs> 175 to 1. He made the cut last week, didn't he? He didn't make the cut last week. Yeah. Trending. Fin- tra- fin- finished last, but yeah, <laughs> made the cut. He's trending forward. So, you know, I, I, clearly on a Thursday, I did watch his rounds quite intently, and um, I think there's little bits to like about how he's playing. I do. Anyway, let's move on. Here I open. We've got ten minutes or so, so I'll rattle on with this. Yeah. Um, the UK swing moves south this week to the outskirts of Birmingham, and we're off to the Forest of Arden Golf Club for the second part of this hastily arranged UK swing. Essentially, though, this is the rebirth of the old English Open, as it was that ran between 1988 and 2002 and used to be played at places like the Belfry, uh, Hanbury Manor, which we're seeing next week. In fact, we're going to see the Belfry at the end of this UK swing in a month or so's time. Um, And of course, Forest of Arden, which is where we are this week. 2000 to 2002, so the final three events of that particular event were played here at Forest of Arden, as were the 2003 to 2005 British Masters events. So we do have in this week's event stats some very old course form from some of the players who were around back in the early noughties. Since then, um, it's hosted some senior events only, so there aren't any um, European Tour events to uh, draw any conclusions from, but there is a little bit of form from some of the players who are in the field this week. Um, which you can take a look at in the event stats on the website. Um, it's a largely similar field to last week. A few players out, Westwood, 
uh, beef's out. I'm not sure we've seen beef again for a little while, actually. Uh, he was struggling with the whole COVID-related setup, unfortunately. Uh, Marcus Kinnart is, is out as well, as notables from last week. Coming into the field, uh, Benjamin Hebert, uh, Jost Lauten, Shabanka Sharma, Thjorbjorn Olsen starting for the first time for over a year. Um, in the field, as to whether he's actually going to play or not, I'm not entirely sure, is Victor Dubuisson, who's um, quoted and in the entry list. But until I see a tea time with him, I wouldn't be overly convinced he's actually going to start. But we shall see. We shall see. A uh, quick check on the betting then. Ghost Loughton's the favourite, 14 to 1. Thomas Detree, 20 to 1. Andy Sullivan, 20 to 1. Played well last week, Dennis Sullivan. Justin Harding, he played well last week as well, 25 to 1. Eddie Pepples, 25s. Ryan Fox, 25 to 1. Then you've got the likes of Renato Paratori last week's winner. Rasmus Hogarth, 28 to 1. 33 to 1 bar that list of players that I've just run through. Forrest of Arden is a 6,958 yard par 72. Described as a modern parkland track. Essentially, it's for the tourist trade primarily, so it's a resort course in that respect. The front line's um, short at 3,400 yards, a bit of water in play, parkland kind of style. And the back nine is slightly longer, three three and a half thousand, three five fifty yards. And it opens up a bit in the back nine to more of a Heathland style kind of setup. Um, generous fairways. Traditionally, it had thick rough back in the day when it used to be used for the British Masters and the uh, English Open as it was back then. Um, large USGI, USGA style bumpers and large bent power greens. For the part one of the four par fives measure 516 to 537 yards, so they're very gettable. What you will see this week is some nice sunny weather for England for this time of year. Temperatures on Friday, get this, we're going to get into the high 80s Fahrenheit. I know, my wife's been telling me, yeah, it's incredible. sweltering by Friday, and light winds as well, so it's going to be um, a fairly pleasant, or very pleasant, um, few days from playing golf by the looks of it. Um, which makes an impact on how this course will play, I think. If you look back through, and again, you know, I'll caveat this with the fact that it's very, very old form. Uh, 2005, Thomas Bjorn won here in windy conditions at six under par. So clearly, the course can have some teeth when the conditions are tough. Uh, 2004, Barry Lane won at 16 under. Greg Owen won the year before at 14 under. Darren Clark won at 17 under. Peter O'Malley at 13 under in 2001. Darren Clark again at 13 under in 2000 and Monty, Colin Montgomery won at 8 under par back in 1998, again in trickier conditions. So in calm conditions, you're looking at maybe 15, 16, 17 under, something like that win this tournament. When the wind blows, it's nearer um, 6, 8 under and tougher technical conditions. I suspect we're going to see the former there. I expect we're going to see something in the mid to high teens under par winning this week with the weather forecast that we've got uh, presented with us. Potentially, looking through the list of those players, the one thing that really stuck out to me was a lot of them have got strong links for. Clearly, Darren Clark has won the Open Championship. You've got the likes of Monty, uh, Thomas Bjorn have both finished runner-up at the Open in the past. In fact, that list of all the players that I read out, their best 
major finish was at the Open Championship. So again, it's older form and again, it's pretty limited. So take it all with a pinch of salt. However, I think you could find some parallels with um, Lynxy type uh, form in my view. Um, other tracks to look at, Walton Heath potentially, if you're looking at the back nine here being more Heathland in style, that was played for the British Masters back in 2018. Generalist British form I think will be pretty pretty strong here. The other track that really caught my eye with this, and I went back and looked at my preview from the 2018 Made in Denmark at Silkeborg Rye Golf Club. And the description for the track there was almost identical to what I've written here this week. It's a very similar length, 6,950-yard par 72. It starts off Parkland in style and opens up into a more Heathland kind of setup in the back nine. And that is virtually identical word for word as to what I'm expecting here this week. That was the event, you may recall, where Matt Wallace won at 40-1, to 1, having um, been pretty much out of the mix coming into the back nine and then just went on a birdie barrage and... But in virtually every hole uh, between there and uh, and coming in on the 72nd, then birded the first two um, playoff holes to win the title for us at 40 to 1. One of those rare, mad Sundays where everything absolutely goes your way. Um, Four man playoff that particular week as well. Um, yeah, just in a nutshell then, with the weather set fair, I think greens and regulation is probably the key stat over short game here this week. And I think having a look at some of those tracks I mentioned may well give you a bit of a pointer as to the kind of players that may go well this week. And that's shaped my uh, my four selections this week. I've led with Eddie Pepperell, 28-1 I took yesterday. He's been shaved in a little bit to 25s. 25s is still a fair price for Pepperell, I think, in this particular field. field. He did flash some form last week. Um, a close house. He faded away on the Sunday, oh, the Saturday, as it were, the final day. Um, but um, he was 14th going into the final day. Open with a 67, which was good. He looked lean and fit and ha happy and healthy. Um, and he's the kind of player who can quite readily win off a, a finish like he did last week. Finished 47th. If you look at his previous two wins, both came off mid-40s finishes the week before. So absolutely bang on for this particular week. He won at Walton Heath back in 2018, which is key. His best open finish was sixth in 2018, which ties in with a lot of the winners here. And he hit over 75% of, green, greens, of greens in regulation at Close House, um, which is kind of where he needs to be if he's going to contend this week. Little snippet for you, he finished second here as a 13-year-old, as a schoolboy back in, well, forget the year because I've not written it down, but back when he was 13, so a good 13 or so years ago, it would have been about 2007, I expect, judging by how old Eddie is. 28 to 1, so 25 to 1 now for Eddie Pepperell. Other than that, I've gone for Ashley Chester's, a point each way at 80 to 1. Again, he struggled a little bit on Sunday last week, but I like the fact that he's playing very, very strong from tee to green. He was first for accuracy, third for greens and regulation last week. He described on Twitter when it was announced that Forest of Arden was being played for this particular event. He announced that it's one of his very favourite tracks of all time. Um, he was ninth at that Maiden Denmark event that I talked about. He's finished 12th at the Open Championship in the past. So again, ticking a lot of boxes for me this week. Then a couple of longer shots. And if this does play like a Lynx or plays into the hands of the Lynxy type players, which is probably nearer nearer the, the right description of how this will play, then Matthew Southgate's got to be um, one to put in your shortlist. 125 to one point each way I've gone to Southgate. Um, 
12th and 6th at the Open in the past, 2nd and 4th at the Irish Open in the past, 2nd at the Dunhill Links last year, you may recall he had that event in the palm of his hand and just got a little bit wobbly as it came down the stretch and unfortunately finished 2nd in the end. It um, showed some good improvement last week, he'd been in a terrible run of form but he finished 35th, 35th last week at Close House. Um, and four straight rounds of 70 is something for him to build on this week. And he is that kind of player who can just pop up and get himself a nice top five or thereabouts finish from pretty much nowhere when the conditions suit him, which I think they will this week. And finally, Stephen Brown, who have backed a point each way, 150 to 1 with seven places. You can get slightly longer if you're willing to take a five, but I've taken seven on Stephen Brown. He was the Portugal Masters champion last year. I don't think he's been shown enough respect in this market, to be fair. Um, he missed the cut last week by a shot, um, but his long game looked decent. He was 70% uh, above 70% of both greens and regulation and accuracy last week, despite missing the cut by one shot. Um, 16th at Walton Heath, which I've mentioned as being potentially something to accommodate this week. He was part of that four-man playoff at Silky Borgerai back in 2018. In fact, he was the last man standing against Matt Wallace. He birded the first play, uh, playoff hole. And um, it was only because uh, Wallace was absolutely dialed in to perfection over those last few holes that he failed to win what would have been his first uh, European Tour title at the time. But he's won since. And um, again, 150 to 1. I don't think he's been shown enough respect here this week. So that's Stephen Brown, Matthew Southgate, Ashley Chester's and at the top, Eddie Pepperell, my four this week. Any fancies, boys? Um, haven't really got into much yet. A uh, couple of names that I'm just looking in a bit deeper into, like Jeff Winter. Um, who, where have we got now? He fourteenth uh, last week. Um, and then yo, is it? Where are we? Veerman? Johannes Veerman? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's high on the predictor, actually. 17th last week. Um, but yeah, kind of early stages uh, of research. You know, three events is a lot to kind of pull in all together. And they usually, uh, the, I suppose, adapting in the extra, the the uh, Euro golf into the, the week is, is being yeah. done right now. So, um, yeah. No. Does, does present some good treble and double opportunities, Barry. Well, listen, that's that's kind of where I'm thinking. That's where the head's at. Like, let's just get these monsters in and uh, land, land the, uh, the treble, the, the transatlantic treble. The transatlantic treble. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, yeah. We could do the podcast from my new private yacht then the week after. <laughs> I look forward to it. Yeah. Any, anyone catch your eyes, Callum Hill. Callum Hill, yeah, you won him last week. I you? backed him last week. He was right there after two he days. Was, yeah, he looked good, didn't he? He did look good. And uh, you mentioned this Silkyborg golf yeah, course, is yeah, it? Yeah, 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 over yeah, in Denmark. Denmark yeah. Yep. He won the challenge on the challenge tour there at that actual golf course. Indeed. In twenty, Indeed. was it last year? Yeah, to, to, yeah, twenty nineteen. Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, he did catch the eye last week, and he saved for a couple of rounds. He looked good. There's, there's a lot to like. What did you get on? Um, on hundred to one. And I've also had an exchange bet on our friend who I upset at Wentworth, Andy Sullivan, <laughs> who must play here two or three times a week, I'd have thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, um, 
you got to say with Andy, he's, he is playing much better golf. But the one thing he doesn't seem to be able to do at the moment is hit greens in regulation and then putt well, or he hits tons of greens and doesn't putt well. It's he hasn't married married the two together. So last week was absolutely terrible in terms of his approach play, but his scrambling and putting was decent. Um, if he and then previous out into that, I think Oman he hit tons and tons of greens and didn't putt very well. But on a on his local course, I think um, I think Sullivan's going to be a real danger. Twenty two yes. to one, I've got on the exchange. He's a danger man this week. That's got to be said. So oh. they're my two. Very good, very good. Well, let's hope one of us does hit that transatlantic treble this week, eh? It might be a quad if Jim Furyk wins. Yeah, it could be. The transatlantic quad. Can you imagine? Thank you for your time, gentlemen. It was a busy show. Um, yeah. Three tournaments in one week is an absolute nightmare. So uh, I'll I'll pat you on uh, pat on the shoulder, Paul, and say well done for all your hard work this oh, week. With the, with it's been it's been a four day marathon across the weekend to get everything out and going. So thanks for that, Paul. That's right. Um, thank you for Barry for your uh, time today. It's Cheers, good to have boys. you on the podcast on a regular basis, as we have uh, since the uh, COVID resumption. And uh, I'm very very excited. The PGA Championship next week. Cannot wait. So. Uh, I hope our bets go well. I hope your bets go well, listeners, and we'll be back again very soon. Goodbye.